And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Mondays, this will probably be dropped on Mondays, we're recording on a Sunday, it's McKellie Bear. McKellie, what's up? Hey! Um, weird recording setting uh, on Sunday, but, uh, you know, same attitude, same interesting <laughs> topics. Uh, we have a great podcast today, I feel like. Yeah, we've got, this is the Poku Pod. Wow. And... Uh, it should be fun. We're just going to kind of... I, we both went back and watched some Poku today mm-hmm. just to get our bearings because maybe him more than any other player that I've ever covered, I, he he allows you to let your imagination run wild when you think about oh, yeah. him and his game. And so to go back and look at the numbers, look at his play... Like watch him. I watched clips of him from the beginning of the season and then mm-hmm. clips of him at the end of the season and just actually taking a look at like what changed, what was different from mm-hmm. the Charlotte game to the Clippers game. You know, what what is actually different about him, I think is an important thing to do because I think that we can get in our heads about the potential that he has and what he really did do and what he didn't do. And, you know, but to take a, just take a look back, you know, cause it's been long enough. We've, it's been long enough since we watched him play. So uh, before we go there, the thunder literally, I don't know how long was it? Like two or three hours after we finished the Friday podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I get, get a little, a little notification that they're signing Vid Krejci. And uh, I was able to scrounge up the terms of the deal as well mm-hmm. um, on Friday. Um, so he signed for a four-year minimum deal with the Thunder. Um, first year's fully guaranteed and then partially guaranteed after that. And then team, um, options. team options. So mm-hmm. they have him on a hinky special, essentially. So yes. as if he's good... Man, this is going to be an, a magnificent contract mm-hmm. for Vit Krejci. Um, if he's not good, he can go as soon as next season yeah. back to Europe. So this is all upside, no downside for OKC. And Vit gets a chance to play. And like he'll get a real chance to play basketball this year. He's not going to play a ton for the Thunder, but he's going to play a ton for the Blue. Mm-hmm. And... He's another in a in the in a long line of giant guards. Like that's what he at least claims that he is. Is um, he a giant? He's big. He's big. Oh. I've seen him standing next to other Thunder players, and I can comfortably say that he is a little bit taller than Josh Giddy. So like Wow. So he's big. And so he's a true six ten, maybe six nine, six ten. Yeah, he's like six that. nine, six ten. He, I mean, this is what the Thunder like. If you can't, if you can't tell what they're trying to do, they're trying to find guys that are probably that are six nine or bigger that can handle the ball, pass, shoot, do all those things. That's that's what they're looking for. That's the profile of the player that they're looking for, and Veet mm-hmm. like matches that to a T and there are lots of factors that will lead to him playing for the blue. Mostly this year. I think that one, like they have guys to fill that spot already. Like they need to find out what Josh Giddy is this season. And he plays basically the same position at the same height. Yeah. And I mean, I, I can't possibly say that uh, I'm an expert on Krejci because I mean, 
I've seen like a couple of clips and yeah, I think I watched but, like half the game when you played for U19. Mm-hmm. Um, but the prototype of a player that I think that the shot is possibly real. I mean, I, yeah. I saw the, 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 um, the motion looks, looks very good. Mm-hmm. And if you have like a 6-10 ball handler that can shoot the basketball, at least he has a chance to be something that someone that makes sense in this modern NBA. Because if you take like a 6-10, like non-shooting big that can jump out of the building, you're not sure that he'll have a place in the NBA. He needs to be elite for that to be a case. If you're 6'10", mm-hmm. you can handle the ball, you can pass, you can maybe shoot the basketball and you're not terrible at defense. I think that you don't have to be special to be yeah. to be in the league. Yeah. Um, of course, to be a starter or like a very good rotation player, the, there's a long road ahead. But yeah. at least you can see that OKC is trying to go a little bit um, off of beaten tracks in terms of recruiting and, and getting talents uh, in OKC. And also they are shifting from mm-hmm. the, the past. And again, uh, it makes a ton of sense. And this is also related to, this also uh, connects well with um, some of the things that I watched uh, today of Pokusheski. We'll, we'll talk about that because I think that there were a few lineups uh, in the Memphis game. The one with, where Shea went, went nuts and Poku was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, where I think that the conception of the unit is uh, probably what OKC will look going forward. And with yeah. if it's that unit to a T. Yeah. In principle. And, yeah. And he, I mean, this is just another swing for OKC. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a second round pick, early second round, but he's a second round pick. And most of those guys don't make an NBA rotation. Yeah. And that's just like the truth of it. So we can't overrate what he's going to be. Uh, but the, the, the profile is uh, exciting. And really, I mean, I think that you can say with the current roster they have that Sam is trying to make one of the more versatile young rosters in the league happen mm-hmm. where it's not like, how many of these guys can you say they play one position? You know, like this is the only, you can only play one position. Like it's very, there are very few of them, if any, that you say, Hey, we have to fit this guy here because he can only do this. Like it just is not, I mean, honestly, it's the older guys, right? It's Scala and favors. Like they're both centers only. Um, maybe another. Dort a bit he's a guard yeah. I don't yes. see him as a point guard right. uh, at least on offense he's clearly a guard I don't see him uh, like defensively he can play probably three positions uh, mm-hmm. quite easily mm-hmm. uh, but defensively he's one of the guys where you can say well yeah he can do a little bit of ball handling but I'm not very confident in him running the point mm-hmm. and he's too small to be a small forward but, yeah. but even him that's right yeah, even him, he has on-ball skills that you can yeah. trust in specific situations. So, yeah, I mean, at least there is nobody in the young core that has very defined skills. Mm-hmm. Where, like, like, skills that you can put in a box and say, well, this is the player. No, that is not uh, what they are trying to do here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to see him. I'm excited to see what he can do against other G league players and there will, there will be games he'll play with the thunder. Like there will be injuries. There will be times where they need somebody to come in. They may make a, a trade where they trade out three of their guys or something and bring back one guy and then open up roster spots. And, you know, obviously he has a roster spot, but like open up minutes for somebody else. So, uh, it's just exciting. It's exciting to have another young player to, to follow and to see, what they become. And if you look at the odds of every single draft position, 37, probably not great. Yeah. So uh, I wish wouldn't take anything to the bank with him, but at least he's young, exciting, mm-hmm. versatile, and like not another Dakari Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> so, and we have to make discovery. Uh, there will yeah, be a discovery right. time with Kerchi, which is again, um, probably the point, uh, discovery and development. And yeah. I was talking today um, with John 
about that a bit briefly uh, and how the G League season will play out will change a lot on how many play young players will go there mm-hmm. because if it's uh, similar to last season or at least if there is a time where they concentrate I don't know five games mm-hmm. I can see even guys like Giddy going there yeah like if not if he's not playing 20 uh, which is a possibility mm-hmm. I can see all the young players going there and just play five games uh, 48 minutes like something I mean, why like not that. I, th- I mean, the, yeah. the two-way guys will obviously be there. I think that yeah. Wiggins and, and Josh Hall will be there a lot. Yeah. But Trey like, Mann will be there a lot. I was going to say, I Trey Mann should be there. Trey Mann should be there a lot, in my opinion. Because yeah. he needs he needs a chance to have the ball in his hands mm-hmm. and to be able to take the kinds of shots necessary under the Thunder system. Yeah. Like, he need, he needs that. He will have fewer opportunities with this Thunder team just because of the amount of guards that are on the team. Yes, I, I I was watching today um, that Memphis game. I watched three quarters, two two and a half. Yeah. And the starting unit was uh, Shea, I think it was Ty Jerome, Justin Jackson, Pokushevsky, and, and Moses Brown. Mm-hmm. And I mean, <laughs> Ty Jerome will play. Ty He's Jerome good. Will play a lot, and he makes so much sense alongside Shea. Yes. Um, yes. You can even venture that he should start. Um, like if you want shooting around Shea, that is what shooting and playmaking. Yeah. That guy. I'm a big Ty Jerome supporter. He's, he's very good. I yeah. I would, I have a hard time believing Trey Mann could be better than Ty Jerome this season. Oh, I have a really yeah. hard time believing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, I, I mean, if you want to go all shooting, um, I think that Theo, Trey and... I don't know, probably Giddy will will fight quite yep. a lot to be mm-hmm. in the court. Which is great. Yeah. Like that's it's an environment that I think will you will know like who's like who's gonna make it or not. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know that we'll be able to tell anything at the end of this season, you know, definitively. Who knows? Who knows? But you know, by the end of the season we, we will know a lot, I think. Yeah. Yeah. About how these guys are progressing in year one. And yeah. again, like you look at the odds, like it's a, like the odds are much better that Josh Giddy ends up being like a good player, and the odds are pretty low that Trey Mann ends up being a top eight guy. The odds are low, I and mean, that's mm-hmm. just the way that it is. Yes, and he's going to have to fight to get there. And the thing with Mark Degnault is that defensively, you have to play. You have to play on the defensive end. Yeah, and you have to be good. Yeah, and that's. That's Trey Mann's biggest struggle. Yeah. And that's something that I'm really will be looking for to see because that's what I mean, that's what had most draft and like analyzers like didn't like him. If they pushed him to the second round, it's because they think he'll never defend at the NBA level. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so. like um I think that and I said it's I said this many times. Uh so I'm like Long-time listeners, forgive me. Uh, I always repeat, repeat myself, but there there are different levels on the defensive end, and to mm-hmm. me, the Dignal system is you have like the base level is you don't screw up, yeah, you don't take like possessions off. Mm-hmm. If you are on good position and you fail because the other guy is quicker than you or stronger than you. Then you're not a great defender, but at least you were in the perfect spot, mm-hmm. and you basically you're not winning your one-on-one, and that mm-hmm. to me is fine. I mean, of course, you need if you want to be on the court for long, you need to be like you need to be, hit the base level, and then be great one-on-one. Yep. Um, but to me, there is a chance that guys like Trey Man, um, they learn how to be on the base level, where yep. I'm in the right place. Right stance, I'm moving as I'm supposed to do, and then sometimes I'm good enough, sometimes I'm not, and that is a completely fine level to be yeah. on. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of guys that can impact the defensive units, defensive hey, level, defensive let's side, talk about whatever. Him. Let's let's talk about him actually right after this quick break. 
When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When it's time for me to find a job, I went right to LinkedIn Jobs. They helped me find the right employer, and it was, man, very, very easy process. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash dunk. That's linkedin.com slash dunk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And we're back after that quick break. We're going to talk about Poku. This is the Poku pod, McKellie. Yeah. Somehow Vit Kretschy had us talking about him for 15 minutes. But uh, this is all about Poku. This is what this is about. And he played one season. He played one G League bubble. He played against children over in Europe for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm pleased to say, after giving him a second look today, I'm super excited to see what he'll do this season. Um, Now, there's a few things. I mean, I think you can definitely say he got stronger as the season went on. Yes. The ball, one of my first things that I thought watching a game from early this season until the end of the season is that the ball just looks, and this is something that Mike Schmidt say, like it looks easier. Mm -hmm. You know, like he shoots by the end of the season, he was shooting an easy ball. Yeah. At the beginning of the season, it felt like he had like catapult that thing. Yes. Off of his body. And you were like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> That's like watching him. If he still looked like that at the end of the season, I I don't think that there would be much hype behind him. I think it would just be like, oh goodness. Yeah. Like this is gonna be a either it's gonna be a long time or it's, or gonna, it's gonna be gonna a be short time. Caboclo for him. 2.0. <laughs> yeah. Yes, or he's Bruno. And I think you can safely say Mm -hmm. that, man, he looked a lot better at the end of the season and was able to do a lot more at the end of the season, which is great. Um, There's still something with this three-point shot that he did even toward the end of the season where he it's not a pump fake, but it's like this slight hesitation Mm -hmm. once he catches it, and he'll bring it up, and he'll think about it, and then he'll let it go. Yeah. And that's something he's got to stop. Yes. You know, he was doing that. So you do less. you want him to chuck more, like with more freedom? Yeah. Don't you? Yes. <laughs> I don't like that. That's one thing that no. I saw many times that I was just like, ooh, I don't like that. Yeah. Like it it feels it it's like you can it's him questioning what he should do. Yes. Just, uh, like aloud with his hands, what yes. he needs to be doing. Um, yeah. What's what's an observation that you had uh, going back and rewatching, Um Specific things. So uh, again, I, I I really indulge maybe too much on the Memphis game, and I, I I just want to read what I typed in my notes about the first three possessions. First possession, it was a wing tree, nailed it. Ty Jerome, very very good pass. The second offensive possession was a handoff between him and Moses. And he basically had his defender on his back and went for a pull-up, like a perfect pull-up from the... And then on the next possession, 
he swats Dylan Brooks. Like, just randomly. Like, yeah. Dylan Brooks has no idea that Poku is covering the corner. Okay? The right corner. And Dylan Brooks is attacking. And basically, Poku rises a hand. And from, I don't know, three feet away, he's just long enough to swat the ball without even moving. And that is basically what Pokushevsky is. Like a guy that can attack off the dribble, nail spot up shooting, spot up, spot up shots, and then be effective on the defensive end. You could say, well, as soon as you have the scout, scouting report, that will be canceled because they will try blah, blah, blah. Yes. Mm-hmm. But Pokushevsky was paired one on one against Anderson and against Ja Morant multiple times. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't bad. Yeah. I mean, Ja missed two shots and didn't take the third. Because he was against Pokushevsky. And Anderson, I it was um, the first possession that Anderson was uh, paired against uh, Poku. Poku was a little bit behind. And so he immediately took a three, nailed it. The next possession, Poku is, is basically on his shirt. And Anderson can't beat him off the dribble. And so after a while, you can see him looking at Pokushevsky and saying, wow, he's in good position. Let me pass the ball away. Yeah. Yeah. And if he's, again, this was a very good Poco game, and the problem with Poco is not the heights, is the lows. Because, I mean, he had like six out of eight against, uh, or six out of nine from three against the Clippers with like very easy shots. That like, They looked so natural. And then you have the zero out of eight. So, mm-hmm. but the heights are, heights are really, really interesting. And the point is, we'll, we'll need to see continuity. Um, yeah. But I didn't expect to rewatch and see that he was able already to um, like pass, then relocate, and then hit from really, really uh, deep range. That was something that was surprising to me. I didn't remember him. It was a possession where he basically um, almost blocked a guy, took the rebound, pushed the transition, stopped himself, wait for help. Uh, Muscala came. He handed off to him. And then immediately popped. I I think three feet behind the line, wow. nailed it, switched it, and also and then I'll stop. I promise. <laughs> there were already possessions where him and Shea were playing pick and roll, and yep. and sometimes Poku was the handler and Shea was the screener. That to me is something that is um, that is incredible to have a point guard that screens for Pokushevsky. And if Shea wants to do that, that will open so much for Poku. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I wish we could have seen the two-man game with like the post-bubble version of Poku a little bit more Yeah, with he and Shea. Because they were starting to figure some stuff out. Yeah. Because, I mean, Poku was assisted on like a majority of his threes. Mm-hmm. And so to be catching it from somebody that can actually create because I can tell you that there was zero defenses that were afraid of Tao Maladon the whole season. Mm-hmm. Like nobody. Yep. Nobody really cared what he did. Nope. Do your thing, Tao. You're not going to beat us. It's just not going to happen. So take whatever shots you want. Drive to the lane. We don't really care what you do. We're going to have our base defense set up and it's going to stop you. Yeah. With Shea, it's different. They didn't have anybody yep. really outside of Poku at the end of the season that's going to break anybody down. And Poku did some of that toward the end of the season. Mm-hmm. He was figuring some of that stuff out, especially against the tanking Clippers team in, in the last game. Like he was really able to figure some stuff out. Yeah, but, that, but does it count? It was barely a real game, man. Yeah. I was there. It was misery. It was absolute misery for everybody involved. <laughs> Nobody wanted to be at that game. Um, but he was he was assisted on ninety one percent of his three-point shots mm-hmm. this season. And, I mean, that's a that's a big deal, especially whenever you're getting... And even adding Josh Giddy to the mix. Yeah. Like, to add another playmaker like Josh, who is going to attack a defense and can whip the ball across the court with either hand. Yeah. You know, I think that that's a great thing for Poku, who's going to be... Poku is going to be a spot-up shooter... And he's also going to be a guy that can create off the bounce. You know, those are the two things that he's that he's going to do for the Thunder on the offensive end. 
Um, and he's obviously going to create for players too. Like I talked about whipping passes cross court. Poku has that in his bag too. And if you for, forgot, like he can, he was driving the lane toward the end of the season and whipping passes to guys in the corner, like yeah. right on target. Like yeah. you, you have, you of all people know about pass accuracy. And that's something that he, he does pretty well with. Yes. Yes. Um, and, I mean, you can clearly see how a pass can affect uh, a shaky shooter. I mean, there was a pass that Shea throw, and it was a little bit off, not much. And Poku had to had to do what you said at the beginning. He catched it, but it wasn't perfect, so he had to think. Mm-hmm. Um, next pass, like, perfect. Nailed. Nailed the tree. So um, that is extremely important. Um, when you were talking, I was dreaming uh, with my eyes wide open about <laughs> Giddy, Shea, and Poku being able to be in a in a in a pick and roll setting, they can be yeah. either the ball handler or anybody the can screener. set the screen. Yeah, exactly. Anybody. Yeah, you, you can play handoffs, uh, and yep. you never know it's, if that is a that is a fake or that is a real handoff because the guy that is making the screen or the guy that is make, that has the ball in his hands can fake that and put it onto the court and and do something with it. And that is yep. such a luxury to have. And so if you have like mm-hmm. three main ball handlers that can do that they can be a really good screener because they are strong or tall. Mm-hmm. That is that is something that opens stuff uh to another yep. degree. Uh it gives uh, OKC a new dimension. And um and yeah. Um I'm very, very curious to see the rotations uh that they can all put in uh on the court, uh the players. Like how much Poku plays? Is he a thirty-five kind of guy? Is Giddy playing thirty? I, I mean, know. you hope so, right? I really do. But there are many players. Um, like, I'm, I'm thinking that some of the guys that had minutes last season, they will just see no minute at all. Like Roby, I don't know. That would be. I mean. Even I kind of like Isaiah Roby, and he got better. Like, Roby got better. Mm-hmm. But if these guys are going to be good at all, Roby shouldn't play a whole lot. And, and the only reason that Roby should be playing is perhaps they find a landing spot for favors, and then they need to play Roby some at the five, right? Yeah, some, but yeah. Oh, The thing about Roby is, like, he's not – he's he's kind of – he's one of those, like, wrong-way tweeners, right? Yeah. Like tweeners are typically that's a it's a fine thing to be, but in the NBA, is a similar to like a Markeith Morris. Like you wouldn't want Markeith as your starting guy, yeah. but he can be in in the middle there, yeah, and that's w- kind of what Roby is. Yeah, you want tweeners that are five on cent- on defense and four on offense. That is what you want to to have. Exactly, exactly. Not the other, yeah, yeah. Not, not the other way around. And yeah. um, I don't know. I'm all in for the Basley at center full time. Um, at least let's try him against second units and see what happens. Sure. It makes so much sense to to play him with Poku, Giddy, Ty, and and Shea, for example, or yeah. Dort and Shea. Let's roll out a unit like that and see what happens. They'll be hammered on the defensive glass, uh, but I mean, is that is that really important? I think that you really want to see how far you can go. Um, in terms of giving those guys, your premier guys, minutes. That is, I think, what you want to do uh, mm-hmm. next season. And not not play around with too many minutes of favors. Muscala makes a lot of sense because makes basketball so much easier for everyone else. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine mm-hmm. playing Mike 20. Um, even Kenrich, that is the same to me. But Theo Maldon should earn his minutes. I won't give yep. a minute to him because to me... Mm-hmm. He he had a lot of minutes last year, and now they are. They they he needs to take them. Otherwise, yep. let's play Ty Jerome. Let's play mm-hmm. play Giddy. Let's even try Trey Man. Hmm. Yeah, they need to. That's what that's what this season needs to be about mm-hmm. is weeding guys out, like figuring out what they are. Yes. And I think you need to give a long runway for guys like Poku and Giddy. Because they're so young, and even Teo's young man, like he needs, he needs time to figure it out. But I'm with you in that. 
whoever rises to the top of this crew deserves to play the minutes. Yes. And just, and if you're going to fight for it, good. And if Teo's not good enough to earn 25 minutes on this team, then he needs to get better. Maybe he will play some G League minutes. Like that mm-hmm. wouldn't surprise me either. Yeah. If he went and played some G League minutes and got better. Like he needs to be a much better shooter. If yes. Teo's going to play in this league, like he has to be a, a good spot-up shooter. Yeah. And if he's not, I think he's going to have a hard time figuring out where to where to be. On, on any NBA team, let alone the the Thunder, who sh- should not be good this year. No, like that's I mean that's I think that's quite clear. Yeah, and um, uh, let's I see. Think so that, um, on drives, uh, McKelly's frozen or I'm frozen. I don't know which. Sometimes I don't I have a hard time figuring out what's what on this platform. Uh, but I, I think it was McKelly. Yeah, um, it was probably me. Um, okay. I, I don't know why, but... Um, That's okay. Um, so, on drives for the season, Poku was uh, 5.3 drives per game. Now, like, how do you measure that uh, the amount of drives? Well, Shea led the league in drives, or was pretty darn close to it, and he had 25 drives per game. So that's just showing you, like, he didn't have that many. Like Kenrich, he almost had the same number as Kenrich Williams. Um, you know, the guys, the only guys that had more drives per game than, than Poku that were on the team at the end of the season. Svi had 6.8. Ty Jerome, 6.9. Very nice. Uh, Darius Baisley, 8.6. That kind of surprised me a little bit. But at the end of um, the season, Baze was really into beating uh, slower guys off the dribble. That is why, that is why I think you should try him as the center. Yeah, Jer- the Jeremy Grant style center. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Let him feast yeah. against slow. It's not that um, like three years ago there were pre- like a lot of teams uh, that had slow-footed uh, mm-hmm. centers in the, like Cristiano Felicio, for example. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like those guys are basically gone. But I think that Basley can be faster than most of the centers, and so mm-hmm. if he ha- if he handles um, the rebound and positional defense department, then, hey, maybe maybe he can play. But the, the biggest problem with him, so he drove not that many times, a decent amount of times to the rim. He only shot 39.8% on his drives, mm-hmm. which the only guys that were worse, you can probably even tell me who they are. Josh Hall, Charlie Brown Jr., Mike Muscala, who never drove the ball. Yeah. That's it. Like, that's your list mm-hmm. of players that were worse than Poku. You know, Tony Bradley had a better percentage. Teo, like, Teo barely. Teo, Teo was 40.7% oh, on drives. Terrible. Also, Lou Dort, 41% on drives. That checks out. Yeah. Because he had, like, a very bad percentage at the rim. It's also is that the, 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 the part of Poku is... Um, he he got pushed around so many times. His and, and there's there's a reason. Like if you're like, man, I really wish Poku would have played in summer league. Like I I felt that way too. Mm-hmm. But stats like this, and watching and seeing what he did during the season again, you have to think, holy moly! The only thing this guy needs to do is be in the gym and get stronger. Because if he can get stronger, like he like he checks like all the boxes for the I'm not strong enough to play in the NBA checklist, right? Yes. It's on drives. He was one of the worst guys on the team. Just finishing at the rim, only 55% at the rim. If you're seven feet, 55%, no good. And like I you gotta be better than that. Like 55 to me seems high. <laughs> yeah. For the eye test. Yeah. I mean that is not a bad number for for how badly uh he was beaten down there. Uh, yeah. There was a possession where he is skied for a rebound and Anderson which is a very intelligent player and smart player mm-hmm. as soon as he jumped he just pushed him a bit and boom the rebound wasn't his own even if he is yeah. much taller and he jumped at the right time. But you need to be strong. You need to be difficult to move down there. And but these are things that, like, if your main problem in the NBA 
is consistency on the shot and being strong. I mean, those are stuff where like, you just have to shoot all day long. You have the time, you have the money, and and the NBA team will get you ready in terms of strength. Yeah. Maybe those are very fixable. Pro- like he has fixable problems. Exactly is the thing about Poku that you know I. I think you can get in your head one of two ways with Poku. I think that most Thunder fans are in their own head about him being a superstar next year, right? Mm-hmm. And then there are there's a group of people that are like think that you can you can go look at the stats and you can talk yourself into the fact that like well he's just not any good. Yes. Well, I just don't even see it. How is he ever going to be good? Yeah. And I think that's wrong too. Yes. I think that both of those are wrong at this point in time. If you think that Poku is just not good, you're like, oh, I'm completely out on him." Like you're just not paying attention. You did. You just. You're just saying I didn't watch the games. The rest of, you know, for half of the season, and that's okay, because you know what? Most Thunder fans, most NBA people, didn't watch the games either. Yeah. But if you want to have an educated opinion on Poku, like watch the games, go see what he did, take a look at the stats, and figure out like why, like why did it happen? Like why am I seeing this number? Mm-hmm. Like how did this correlate? And you can like you can look. He, the month of May, he was really good. Yes. Like legitimately good. You look at the splits for the month of May, and you can say, wow, like he was actually a good basketball player. Yes. In the month of May. And let me pull up his shooting stats in May. Um, let's see. True shooting, 55.8% true shooting. Above league like average. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. 46% from the field, 43% from three. Now, I don't think that's who he's going to be. I mean, if he shoots 43% from three, like, watch out NBA. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, absolutely. There is a chance watch the out. motion looks good. Yeah, there is a chance. I Just the odds of somebody being a volume 43% three-point shooter are pretty low. But yeah. if he can be 37, 38% from three on good volume and be able to do all the other things he does. He's a good create, player create and defensively we should talk more about how he plays on defense you talked about that at the beginning Mm -hmm. but he's going to be able to defend multiple positions especially as he gets stronger and one of the keys with him and something that actually had him not being a complete sieve last year is that he has super strong legs and if just looking at him physically like he is a very odd shaped person in that he's seven feet really skinny but he's got these trunk legs where guys aren't guys can kind of push him around but if he's the guy that needs to hold up he can hold up decently Mm -hmm. against other guys Um, it's the upper part this is a problem and the core strength yes it's absolutely the upper body strength stuff Mm -hmm. that he struggles with and that's what he's been working on that's why i mean the dude took off a few weeks after the season ended and then he's been back here and he has been working and wants to be better. And he traveled with he traveled with the team to Vegas. He was there. Everybody saw him there watching the games. But he is extremely dedicated to getting better, which mm-hmm. is also like another like checklist for him. Is like, what is what are his skills? It's all there. Is the work ethic there? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's there. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And then another factor that I think is going to help him this season is the fact that this 18-year-old 
came over to the United States during a pandemic, Mm -hmm. came to a city he's never been to, with people that didn't speak his language, with nobody that really knew him very well. He eventually got his girlfriend here, which is also a good thing. What an what an immensely challenging year for all of us. Mm-hmm. There's no exception. It was a challenging year yes. for everybody. And not only for Poku but for everybody. But to be able to, to have to move to be in a city that's like frankly not that great. <laughs> you know. I live here. It's, I I love living here. I'll probably won't live anywhere else. But the truth is, when you get to travel to all these other NBA cities, mm-hmm. when you are from Europe, when you get to live in Greece, and then you come to OKC, like, who boy, like it's uh, yeah. like it's a cultural thing is, shock. It's it's different. It is different. It's a cultural shock. Like, you know, like you live in one of the more beautiful places in the world. You're sending me pictures of like, here's where I am today. Like, like my goodness, like he's in the beautiful mountains, like. Hey, look. Oh, he's at the beautiful beach. Like, wow, look at this. And I'm like, hey, check this out. There's red dirt in the pond behind my house. Click, click. You know, it's it's just different. It's just so different. But I just think the fact that he's used to it and that he knows the guys and mm-hmm. that they know him and not only the guys on the team, but the trainers. Yes. And the coaches. That's family and now. Every, everybody's back. Mm-hmm. And... I think that that is such a big deal to where you come in, you know what you, you know what your job is, you know what the expectations are from everybody on the team. Yeah. And you just get to come and do it again. like it for the most part people get better in environments like that. Like that's just that's just the way it is, especially in an environment like the Thunder have. I mean, I just even think about a player like Hamadou Diallo mm-hmm. who played for the Thunder and he had some inconsistency stuff because, like with the surroundings because they did change coaches while he was here. But this most of the team stayed the same. Like some of the same assistant yep. coaches stayed on. Uh, the training staff is mostly the same. Like everything is still mostly the same. The management's still the same. You know, building the same, city is the same, all that. But he just got better because the team is going to be dedicated to these players. Yep. Like that's unquestionable. Oh yeah. What what is the fa- the factor in players getting better or not in OKC is talent is number one. Number two is is the player as dedicated as the team is. Yeah. And that seems. And are they able to have the same attention? Because like you think about a Terrence Ferguson, like why didn't Terrence Ferguson work out? Well, he had so many outside things going on that he couldn't be as dedicated as the team was to him yeah, and, 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 which is just a part of life sometimes yes it like, is not not saying that like oh terrence ferguson did the wrong thing like terrence ferguson had a lot of stuff going on yeah and that were some of it out of his control yes but with hamadou diallo dude is just focused on basketball yeah and he got better and he earned a second deal yes and like that's for a second rounder to earn that the deal that he earned should be applauded like wow that is a massive yeah. massive accomplishment i don't know what the i don't know what the numbers are on like how many second rounders picked in his range earn as much as he earned on that second deal but it's got to be not super many. crazy low yeah not many in terms of percentage not many and, and then if you want like um a final word of comfort for Pokushevsky and why you should be optimistic just take everyone but Cade and bring them back when they were 18 and put them in, on an NBA court mm-hmm. and tell me how they look like. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Jalen Green looks like a player, uh, maybe on some nights. I think that Jalen Green yeah. is a good example because I, I can definitely see Jalen Green going off, even last year, yeah. off like, yeah. like 40, he can just score. 48 points. He's going to be able to do what he does. Yes, yeah. but Pokushevsky, again, I'll state the same uh, that I did before because it's very important. When Pokushevsky plays well, it's not just random. It's not just him. Everyone mm-hmm. plays great. Because mm-hmm. Poku can open up so much for everyone. And he's a guy that is not selfish. He passes the ball very well. And the heights, like, he puts up very good games. When he has it, he has it. And, I mean, I remember the game where Shea played. Uh, it was a totally different game. 
So it's it's not apples to apples comparison here. But when Shay had his heights in uh, in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. y- you could say, oh, if that is what he can do, right? More often, that guy's a star. Yep. And there aren't many guys on on the rookie. I mean, Tail Maidon. He had third. I think he had thirty-one game, but it was only like the shooting going in. It was not like yeah. really affecting the game. The game was terrible, and he just scored thirty. Yeah. When Poku is great, yeah. the team is great. <laughs> so that to me is something tells me something. I don't know how much I should trust that, but to me there is a little bit of a little bit more uh, in those well, performances than just just like you just look at true shooting percentages. For Poku, when they win, mm-hmm. 53.8. Mm-hmm. When they win, when they lose, 38.9. Yeah. When the shot doesn't go, <laughs> Poku doesn't go. Um, yeah. That is something yeah. that you can tell immediately. And it's not a good yeah. thing. Um, but it's a thing that on a young player worries me less. Because when he's on his groove, when he's on his, when the flow is, go- is good, then he's awesome. Mm-hmm. And again, with experience, I think that like some players can be like that, just tricky. When it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's bad. It can happen. But the point yeah. is, to me, you can you can when Poku is going, you can feel something. You can feel something different. Like the Poku, the best version of Poku is an all star. <laughs> like mm-hmm. period. The best version of guys like Teo are good players, and that yeah. is different. That is why so many people, including Sam Bassini, which is a guy that you should trust in terms of talent management, talent uh, evaluation, they say, look out, because if that guy's pull it together, that is going to be a star. He's going to be a star in this league. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, maybe he doesn't. Uh, maybe it will be in three years. Maybe it will never be that, because it will be oh out of eight one day and... 20 points the day after. And those guys are not star. They're just mm-hmm. players that are in the NBA, but not consistent enough. Yep. Yeah. I I think that you're right. And also the age thing. Like, that's... It's a significant thing. Oh, yeah. Like, he is younger than Cade. Younger than Scotty Barnes. Younger than Evan Mobley. Younger than Jalen Suggs. Uh, Josh Giddy is younger than him. Kaminga is younger than him, but like Franz Wagner, obviously Davion Mitchell. Oh yeah. Uh, Z- Zaire Williams, who's everyone's like, oh my gosh, Zaire Williams, so young, younger than Zaire Williams, um, yep. younger than Book Knight, younger than well, Moses Moody might be. You know, Moses Moody's younger. Yeah. But he's younger than almost everybody picked in the first round. He's younger than Trey Mann. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. obviously Trey Mann was a sophomore, but like, still, it's just weird to think about it in that way. And he's like significantly younger than these guys. Like he's significantly younger than Bones Highland. Like he's almost a year younger than Bones. Yes. Um, which is just wild to think about. And, you know, you look at like Davion is three years older than Poker. <laughs> Can you imagine? Three. Go back three years. I can yeah. put Davion here in the NBA. Yep. Right. What yeah. are we talking about? It's a, it is a big it is a big deal. Like the only guys that are younger than him, I think Jalen Green, uh, Giddy, Kaminga, obviously Josh Primo, mm-hmm. who is the youngest guy in the draft, Moses Moody, um, Shangun is younger. Um, there's just not that many guys that are younger. Yeah. So like he need, one, he needs time. And then two, like the potential is giant. It's yes. giant. And I think that if you go back to that 2020 draft and you you put him a year later and you see he, what he did with this mm-hmm. this season and you throw him back in the draft, like where does he go in that draft? I mean, I think that you... No, we will do a redraft Monday. Ooh, yes, next Monday. Tune in for the redraft. Yeah. Yeah, see where Alexa Poker shifts. That's a great idea. Where we see how much the Phoenix Suns (laughs) 
Dude. did it wrong. Can you imagine <laughs> if they had him? Just Halliburton. Like, just Terry, put Therese alongside Book, uh, Booker. Even Vassell. Even Vassell. Anyone but him. Anyone but Jalen Smith. Yep. Maybe not Cole Anthony, but anybody else. Maybe, yeah, maybe not Cole Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, well. we got to go. Thanks so much for tuning in on a Sunday. If you're live on the stream, let's go over to the stream. There were people that were here. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hoopstock69 is here. Jacoby King is here. Daniel Tomasi from the UK. What's up? Jay Smooth. Is a Poku hater in the house? Ooh, I don't know about that. Uh, my guy Alex Bullerjack uh, is here. Thanks so much for being here, dude. Let's see. Uh, Miroslav is here. Everyone needs a smile is here. Augusto Sarmento is here. Thanks everybody for joining. Nathan Creamer is here. Uh, John Murphy, ISO Me is here. Thanks everybody for joining us on a Sunday. Hope everyone's doing well. If you're in the US, enjoy. Hopefully you get a day off. If you do, enjoy it. Um, if you're elsewhere, I hope you have a great day. We will talk to you guys again on Wednesday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.